Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined by my co-host and friend, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. Woo! John, what a night last night was. Uh, I don't think words can truly – I don't think we can put into words the the feeling that we had last night. Uh, at least I had, and I know you shared the same sentiment. Um what an amazing event that we had. Uh, I want to start off by saying thank you to every single person that came out. I would I would like to list everybody. Uh, I can't, uh, but I'm going to shout out a couple. Uh, Ryan, I, I can't tell you how awesome it was to meet you in person, and the gift that you gave me and John, I thought that was really cool. Hopefully John puts to you know good use the book you got him about memorizing names so that way we can have a better product um nacho i can't believe you flow in flew in from freaking spokane washington um just amazing uh my boy sam and philip and mike thank you guys like for coming out and sam you already know where you are with me um to my homeboy germs, to my family, to the listeners, to the last guy that came to me at the end of the night. I had no idea was a listener until he left. He drove all the way from College Station. Like, thank you to everybody that was here. I, I, I honestly, like me and John, did this event for you guys. We didn't do this for anything else. We didn't do it for marketing. We didn't do it for any other reason but to ensure that we gave back to you guys since you guys have given to us so much over the last three years and. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to pull off, you know, free barbecue and free tips treats again. Um, but I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for the support. I really, I really appreciate it. It was a very surreal moment for me, uh, to know that we have fans and listeners the way that we do. And it's super cool. So I'll get off my soapbox and kind of pass it on to John. No, I mean, James just kind of nailed it. It's like big shout out to James for pulling it all together. Like. He worked magic to pull that off, and and it it was worth it. We've got some of the we've got the best listeners. There's I I'm just absolutely at a loss for words for, from y'all and some of the stories y'all told me, and, and just sitting and getting to know a little of y'all. Even though my antisocial ass just tried to sit there and watch the game, but talking to y'all, and I'm glad that I got to meet as many of y'all as I did. I'm, I'm just beyond touched. It, it's really something else. We we put our heart and souls into this, and the to see the effect that we've had on other people and bringing together a community of people to just, you know, hang out, enjoy the Texans, and not take ourselves way too serious about, about this stuff. And it's just absolutely amazing, and I'm, I'm glad we've gotten to be a part of it because we may sit here and, and pour our hearts out on – on the podcast, but y'all are what makes make this go. Like, there's nothing. we This would have been gone a long time ago if, if we didn't have the type of listeners we have. And there's weeks where it's like, we don't want to talk. We don't want to do this. Um, we've got a lot going on in our lives. and But y'all are the ones, especially some of the comments when we do skip a week, that are like, all right, we can't skip any more weeks. We've, we've got we to do it because we've got the best listeners and we can't let them down. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's accurate. And then shout out to Brooke as well uh, for coming out. I really appreciate it. I, I know we talk a lot on Twitter, but um, thank you for coming all the way from Pasadena. Uh, all right. So that event is going to, me and John have talked about it. We, we wanted to do these more often. We tossed, like, went back and forth. How do we do it? Do we do, we do one every two or three weeks? Um, and I, I kind of came to the conclusion last night as me and Devin, oh, shout out. I have to shout out Devin. Like, Devin Harvey, you have been my best friend for freaking almost 11 years. And the support you continuously show me specifically Coming down here, you know, you have a new baby at home, taking a night away, taking two days off from work, and riding down there with me, like, staying in the Airbnb with me, talking to me about, like, how cool of a moment this was. Like, I appreciate it. Um, but anyways, me and, me and Devin grabbed tacos last night, and we were just talking about the event, and I, I was truly flabbergasted. I felt like a rock star last night for the first time in my entire life. I've always known I'm really good at things. Um but not until last night did I realize how good I actually am at, at doing a podcast. And you guys put that into perspective for me, not me. So thank you for that. And when we were talking, he was like, you know, I was like, how often should we do this? Like, we have a lot of good listeners and, you know, we're going to continue to grow. And we're going to continue to have opportunities. And, and I was like, man, but I don't want to lose the cool factor of doing an event. And if we did one every two to three weeks, it would just be another event. Um, but if we did one once a year, and it was the first away game for the season, I think that that's, like, the best way for us to do it. It gives you guys a plan. Once the schedule is released, you guys know. So for the people that are out of state or out of city, you can plan it. You can take your days off. So moving forward, that's how we'll do it. Every year we'll do the first away game. Um, Sigma, thank you. Pitmaster, thank you. Tiff Treats, thank you. Obviously, Run Game, uh, the you know, our, our only sponsor of the podcast. And it, they'll all be a part of it. Uh, at some, of some sort, I know I know Run Game will be Sigma most likely. It was a great venue. I, I think we'll outgrow it next year. But um, anyway, so that's how we'll do it. We're gonna do our first away game opener, um, and we'll make sure that we keep you guys in the loop. And this will give me plenty of time to truly map out what we can do, and actually might be able to do it on a much larger scale if I have more time instead of trying to throw it together in the last two months. So, all right, let's get to why we are actually here. Why we are actually here is because we have a football team in Houston that last night actually showed me more than I expected to be showed. I think that's a great start for the podcast. I think it's very easy for us to start with why was Aaron Colvin playing off so much and why did he back up even more knowing that they only need it. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But what we need to get to is the parts of the game that all of us should have been shocked by. Well, there's one part that we shouldn't be shocked by, and that's DW4. We all knew what he was and what he brings to this team and what kind of quarterback he is. We can spend – we've shown you that we can spend an hour talking about Deshaun Watson, and we can do that at any given time. Last night's performance specifically, we should probably take time out to talk for an hour about Deshaun Watson. Unfortunately – there were a lot more goods than there were bads. And in the moment last night, it was hard to see that because we lost in typical Houston Texans fashion. The difference this year is that the scale has tilted a little bit, John. And this, is, this goes to that pendulum swing that you mentioned two, three months ago where we talked about this becoming an offensive-minded team 
going shifting from a defensive side of the ball to the offensive side of the ball. And I, I mean, I've, I've, I've been with you. I agree a hundred percent. When you have a quarterback, that's the way that it needs to go. You don't need to have a top five defense to win a Super Bowl anymore when you have a prolific passer and a prolific quarterback. Um, Deshaun last night, John, was truly amazing yet again. I, I really don't think there's another word to describe what he is and what he does. He is as good as they come. So I'm going to piss you off real quick. So you're saying that he's almost as good as Baker Mayfield. Uh. <laughs> According to national media, I mean, he may now be on that level now. According to dumb national media <laughs> – uh, unfortunately, this is the first week of a professional podcast. <laughs> what I'd like to say, I almost got you. I almost got what you. What I would like to say, I can't say. Um, <laughs> but all I'll say is just listen to Colin Cowherd on Monday and Tuesday, and you'll have a true understanding of what exactly Baker Mayfield is compared to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is the number two youngest quarter, like best young quarterback in the league. And I think you can make an argument he's number one because of what he's dealing with. I think if. Mahomes is obviously the number one quarterback in the league, especially young guys, you know, third-year guy. Um, what he accomplished last year, the season he had, it's really hard to make an argument for Deshaun because Deshaun hasn't reached that level of success yet. But then when you take into consideration what Pat has on his team and his coaching staff and everything else that is around him, sitting for a year behind a good veteran quarterback in Alex Smith, and then inheriting an offense that was pretty much just the blueprint to be able to just wreck the league moving forward. They have skill positions. They have Sammy Watkins, who looks exactly how he looked when he came out of Clemson. Um, and then you have Tyreek Hill, and you have 14 running backs and an offensive line, and now a decent defense. We'll see. Um, I still think that you can make an argument, though, that Deshaun Watson is actually – he's not two, he's one. You know, let's put it like this. We are probably going to spend about five, maybe a little bit more than five minutes on Carlos Hyde, and he was a cast-off on the Chiefs. Like, he wasn't going to make their roster. Yep. And he comes over here, and, of course, he looks like a star, um, which is kind of amazing. I I don't know if of course would be the right word there. (laughs) 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 We don't really – we don't do that very often. That, yeah, that was highly sarcastic. It's like, where on earth did this guy come from? Um, but yeah, and I'm that a lot of that is just the Sean and him elevating the offense and elevating the players around him. And look at what happened when Baker got sacked. What four times? Oh no, he didn't have any time to throw. Blah blah blah. I can't curse. No. <laughs> it's like, dude, please. Deshaun got sacked six times and just shrugged it off and just kept going. I mean, again, we could do a Watson cast every single week. We could rename the the podcast the Watson cast and just base it all around him, and there would be enough to talk about. But Here's the thing, though. He's just, he, he is just something else. He's something else. He really is. But here's the thing that he does that Baker will never, ever be able to do. He'll stand in the pocket tight in for, in with the right form and mechanics and make the throw knowing that he is about to get obliterated and then deliver the ball with precise accuracy. That's the difference. That's a quarterback. Yeah, I mean that's what quarter that's that's a true quarterback. He's getting treatment on some probably nasty ass bruise 
that, I mean, two years ago, we all loved, I mean, that kept Jadavian Clowney out of a game and a half. Don't mention that name um, yet. Don't mention that name yet. So, it's coming, though. So, you know, it's that same sort of injury, and Deshaun's still out there, and he's still getting hit, and he's still getting hit by a rag doll. If there was any days where you thought that he was going to have happy feet, it's when you saw him wincing around and you saw him getting treatment, you're like, all right, maybe he doesn't want to get hit. Maybe he doesn't want to get lit up today. And, and it's like, no. If anything, it kept him from running. He still took some big hits in the pocket, and yet he still delivered, and he looked better as a passer. He continues to improve as a passer. Yeah. And yeah. the Saints team isn't the Saints team of old. They are supposed to have a really good defense. And they do. Um, and they do. We, we just didn't make it. We didn't make it look like they had a good defense. And, and, and as much as Deshaun is responsible for everything on that field, I have to applaud Bill O'Brien for the game plan that he installed for this team. I mean, you can say what you want about the challenge flag and the timeout. I get it. Miscues. Same old Bill O'Brien. Um, and we're not here. We're not here to tell you like it's okay we lost because it's not okay that we lost. And this is a game that yet again we should have won. It goes into the same category as the Patriots in 2017, the Patriots in 2018. The uh, Seattle game, the Philly game, the it, 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 it's just that's just what happens, um, and it's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, Bill O'Brien called a very, very, very well-rounded, well-executed offense last night. I don't really think you can say that he didn't, unless you're just dumb. I mean, I don't know if that's the Tim Kelly effect or what, but that that offense. There was only a couple of times where it's like, what are, what are they thinking with their play calling? They, especially for as many players that have only been on the roster for a week, and as several players that have only been on the roster for three weeks that were all key contributors. Again, it's one week. We don't really know what the fir- what one week means long term, but just from the looks of it, we've never since Bill O'Brien has been here. Our first week has never come out that smooth. No. We've always had looked lost our first. At least season. on offense. Oh, I mean, definitely on offense. Right. And the offense looked like it had a game plan. It looked like it knew it was going to execute the game plan. It had players being used properly. I mean, Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde were teammates together on Cleveland. If they were used in that manner, how they were used last night in Cleveland, they would still be on Cleveland. Yep. And he took advantage of both of their strengths. He got efficient use out of both of them. I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of at a loss for words. Like this is what I've been hoping and praying for. Like just start with the running backs, getting efficient use out of the running backs, because that's what Bill O'Brien did with New England. And for whatever reason, we couldn't do it here. And now we, we've at least done it for one game, and we yeah. had not done it for one game post Arian Foster. It's a new football season. Antonio Brown is on the Raiders. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham is in Cleveland. The one thing that hasn't changed is where I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to get the best football bets every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. And this year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. 
First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me, and my bookie has been great for me. That's why my bookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. It's that simple. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Up to a $1,000 first deposit bonus. That means you can double your first deposit. Use promo code TEXANS to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code TEXANS when creating your account to claim your bonus. Bet, win, get paid. MyBookie. Yeah, no, I think the offense last night, uh, this this was the offense we've been talking about, uh, it, which is crazy. It, it, it's, it's so nice to see that in week one, given the fact that there were so many pieces on this team that have been added in the last 11 to 12 days, um, being able to go out there and and execute at the manner that they did, that run game, there's nobody in this world that would have told you that that was the expectation for the run game coming into week one. Not one. Nobody knew that was coming. Nobody knew Carlos Hyde was going to be the back type of back that we needed. Nobody. And nobody knew that Duke Johnson was going to look the way that he did in this offense either. Nobody. Everybody was so freaked out when we lost Lamar Miller that they just forgot that we could potentially actually do some different things now. And I got to finally watch the game today. And, I mean, Carlos Hyde looks like Carlos Hyde from Ohio State. I mean, he looks like the guy that was drafted by the Browns to be that type of back. And he is exactly what we wanted Deontay Foreman to be. Exactly what we wanted Deontay Foreman to be. And if Carlos Hyde can stay healthy... Right, I mean, again, week one, you've got you cannot overreact to week one, but again, that was impressive. Like that was really impressive. He's currently the most efficient running back out of everybody. You look at all those guys that just had monster fantasy days. The most efficient out of all of them was Carlos Hyde. He just didn't score and didn't catch any passes. So of course, didn't get a lot of fantasy points out of him. But dude was still he was fantastic. Yeah, I would tell you right now, I, if I had to guess the number one claimed running back on waiver wires this week in fantasy, it will probably be Carlos Hyde. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. Um, and my favorite play of the game was when he could have easily gone out. He didn't gain any extra yards, but he took two defenders on. He could have yep. stepped to the side, just stepped out, not taking a hit, and he just squares up and just <laughs> and runs right to contact. I like, yep. I like this guy. He he's going to become a he keeps this up he's going to quickly become a fan favorite, and he looks about twenty pounds lighter than he did last year. He looks quicker. He I mean he looked good. So no, he looked good. Let's get okay. So obviously the Kenny Stills touchdown to Sean Watson the run game, <clears throat> the addition of Laramie Tunsil, uh, which good lord guys, are, are we really going to bring up what we traded for him now because of that one sack? Yeah. Did you guys? Did you watch? <laughs> if you did go you on Twitter, then yeah, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna—it's it's a, a wasted, wasted trade. 
we got ripped off because he gave I up the sack. I don't understand it. Did anybody watch that snap? Like, did anybody see how quick 91 jumped the snap? Uh, th- no, no tackle would have been able to block him. That, that was just a that was a perfectly jumped snap. That's all there is to it. And he's quick. They're fast. Their edge rushers are fast. And they were sending all sorts of blitzes. I mean, they weren't sending – they weren't like us rushing three. They were rushing five, six, at times seven. They were blitzing Deshaun. We didn't do any of that last night. And yet that – you know, I get it. Yes, he was sacked six times. And, yes, like we don't want to see that. We don't want to see him get hit, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I'm, I'm right there with you. We, we definitely don't want to see Deshaun get hit. But for you guys to judge this offensive line off of just this is fudge. And, it, yep, I was able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you got yourself. Uh, this is going to be tough, dude. We're, we're going to need a cuss jar. A cuss jar. Yeah, yeah, probably. Probably. Every time we get dinged, there's a contribution that goes in it. We'll have a, a charity or something. Like, we're just going to yeah. do it. Um, anyways, the offensive line, like I get it. It's not great. It's not a great offensive line. It's, it's, it's in, it wasn't even an average offensive line. Um, but at the same time, the offensive line was better than what it was last year. And that, and that Saints defense is good. <laughs> that the, I, I, I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be surprised if, do the Saints play the Chiefs this year? I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't Maybe know. It'll be interesting to see what that Saints defense does to the Kansas City Chiefs. But, um, yeah, like, Laramie Tunsil looked great. He, he looked awesome. Uh, he had an island. We haven't had that since Dwayne Brown left. He looked exactly how we needed him to look. Um, Senio Calamente had some moments where he was not the sharpest tool in the shed. Guess what? Senio didn't take a lot of first-team reps. You know who did your first-round pick? Who happens to have a broken finger? Nick Martin, whatever. Like, okay, he signed his extension today. Uh, you know, he wasn't awful yesterday. I'll be the first to admit it. He was definitely better than than I've seen him play in a while. But there were also moments where he was not that very that not that good. Um, Zach Fulton was solid. I mean, Zach Fulton's solid no matter where you play him. Uh, Central Henderson definitely had some moments. I mean, it was it, Central I Henderson thought he was had moments. Place that half time. <laughs> I really did. Yeah, I thought, yeah, he, I uh, thought okay. he was getting replaced at halftime. And he might end up still getting replaced at some point, especially with, you know, and we haven't talked about the defense, but um, at the same time, you know, we cut Aaron Colvin today for a reason. And it wasn't because of that, the, the, the play design. It was because he took three steps back after being 10 feet off or 10 yards off, which you can't do. It's and just the technique. An almost perfect passer rating allowed. He just – It was 86% on 13 targets. So, look, Bill O'Brien is, is – God, I didn't want to get into the defense yet. We're all over the place. Um, I guess it's week one, so we can be all over the place. Um, we're still riding high. We didn't yeah. get a lot of sleep. You know? I didn't get any sleep. <laughs> you yeah. know? No, I was out drinking all night. A lot of emotions. So bear with us. This is probably not going to be one of our best shows, but it's going to be an unfiltered show, so it is what it is. And to get back to our offensive line, it's like, dude. Roger Johnson might start. Yeah. This he is might the, start. This is the worst that our offensive line is going to look all season. I can pretty much promise you that. Howard's out. Johnson's going to Johnson's gonna get playing time. 
it's going to only get better. And remember, they've only been together for a week. Part of what the Saints did, especially in the first half, is they attacked an offensive line that they knew wouldn't know how to communicate. Lots of stunts, lots of um, delayed blitzes, lots of things where essentially an offensive lineman has to hand off his block to another offensive lineman and slide over. In the loudest stadium in the NFL. Right. And it was by design that they were going to mess with our offensive line. And it happened. And, you know, three of those sacks are easily on Deshaun um, because that's how he plays. We're going to get used to it. It just kind of is what it is. But there was times that he – there was a lot of times where he had a great pocket when he absolutely needed to. Yep, and And when he did, he he made those throws. Yeah, so – our offensive line, even though it was six sacks, I mean, they still get a, a better grade than they did last year. And more importantly, in how you, it's better to judge an offensive line based on the running game than it is on the pass game. And on the running game, they did exactly what they needed to do. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I didn't see the PFF grades. I, yeah. I'm not even yeah. talking about PNF, P, PFF oh, okay. grades. I'm just talking about based on what we the saw. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, the offensive line, and then also just at the end of the day, like, this is a – we've said it multiple times. We've been telling you guys this for three years. The offensive line is all about chemistry. It's all about consistency. Don't be surprised if Central Henderson is just a little bit better next week. Don't be surprised if Senio Calamente is better next week. Same with Tunsil, same with Martin, same with Fulton. Like, as they play together, they grow together, they learn each other's characteristics, and they know how to pick up – on each other's flaws and make up for them. That's how an offensive line works. So they will be getting better. If this, honestly, John, if this team, if this offensive line next week is the same starting five, I can't say I'll be too upset. I know everybody's clamoring for Titus Howard to get on the offensive line. I get it. We we invested a first round pick in and in tackle. You know, Central didn't play too well. We could replace Central with Titus and just learn, let him learn through the rookie mistakes. But he's played on the left side this entire time. Do you really want? Do you really want another Julian Davenport situation? Do you really want it right now after what we just saw from this offense last night? I don't think so, and I don't think it's worth risking right now. I think we need to give it another game before we say, "Okay, it's time." I think it'll be more and likely that Sharping actually goes over to the to right tackle. Maybe. It'll maybe. Be, he, he I, he, you know what? I'll, he did I'll, not I'll, look. I'll, I'll throw it out there. It's more likely that it'll either be Roderick Johnson. Or Max Sharping at right tackle yes, in the next three games. I would agree. I think it'll be Roderick before anybody. Um, yeah, Howard. It, it Howard's is what it is. A guard. It is what it is. It is what it is. I, I like. I we we've been telling you guys this since we traded for Laramie. It doesn't matter. Like it. It is like if if Howard is a, a a Pro Bowl guard for the next seven years, that's a very successful first round pick, especially where we picked at twenty three. I mean. That's really what you all you can ask for. If he gets to a second contract with this team, then we we had a good first round pick. Um, so I'm not really worried about it. Uh, and then let's go ahead and address this too. Look, DeAndre Hopkins is never going to have another three drop game, probably in his career. It literally just happened to be a fluke. Now there's another guy who I don't think it was a fluke, and he's on the defensive side of the ball when we come to statistics. But we'll we'll get to we'll get to the holier-than-thou uh, later on in the show. But, um, look, Kenny Stills came in. Will Fuller looked good. 
Uh, didn't see a lot of DeAndre Carter, which was a little bit of a, a surprise to me. I thought, I mean, I know we saw him a lot in motion. Definitely didn't see a lot of targets. Uh, Bill O'Brien loves his screens. I, I kind of, I really wish he would. If that was, if I had one complaint about Bill O'Brien last night, it was just the amount of screens he threw, um, because it's just so predictable. And I feel like those are going to be picked. One's going to be picked off and taken to the house at some point. Um, but outside of that, like the offense looked really good. They looked, it looked really good against a very good top five NFL team. Yeah, apparently. I don't really, I don't really think you can argue it. Pretty much, it seems to be the consensus that they're the number three team out there. If you look at it across the board on the all the power rankings, um, we lost, but we were actually getting a lot of respect. Uh, they're calling us a heavyweight, it's, so it was kind of crazy that the Texans are actually getting respect. And again, it just kind of all goes back to Deshaun. Like Deshaun, his QBR is top three in the final two minutes of a game. It's just our our defense, and I guess this is a good segue to them, our defense has to do him better, which is crazy because a couple of years ago it was our defense that won our games. And we've now we've now switched where the defense just has to keep us in the game because yep. Deshaun's going to do what he needs to do, and there's nothing more you can ask. And right before that final drive, um, on our, right before Deshaun's final drive, when you came over and talked to me, what was my comment to you? I just said, I hope that we take up enough time that they don't get the ball back. I want Deshaun to end the game with the ball in his hand. Yep. And because it happened again. What this is? How many times now? I five. Five. Uh, Did you do you know how many you know how many games Joe Montana has um has lost in the fourth quarter after a considered game-winning drive or a touchdown in 318 games? Five. Wow. Deshaun Watson in 23 has lost five. Wow. Just to put that in perspective. Yeah. So there's been times in the past where we've um, defended Rack. There's no defense for him. There was a time where we thought that he was the smart coach. And right now, right now, dude, there's no defending this. There's really not. Well, what what game was it last year where I said that I think the game is past rack? There was a game. The game. Uh, there was a podcast, the Eagles game, yeah. um, where where they went, uh, where the tight end went up the seam for like the third time, same as the Seahawks game, same as the Patriots game. Um, the inability—I uh, don't even know if it's inability—the the the lack of awareness around the bend don't break when having a lead. Uh, against these good teams is the issue with the defense. On top of that, the bigger issue with the defense is something I've had for the last five years that I've been screaming on this freaking podcast for the last three years was that we need man corners that can press. There is no reason to play three safeties deep and then to play off of the wide receivers with your corners and give up 10 yards. There's no reason. You press for a reason. The press is to knock them off their route, let the safeties get into position to be able to make a play, and you hope for the the best. And last night, if we would have done that, the outcome would have been completely different. Yeah. Because we even if one wide receiver would have broke off and burned one of the corners, there still was three safeties behind them. And Drew Brees is not able to chuck it as 
far as he was able to three or four years ago. So the chances of them scoring a touchdown on that play were very slim. And that's all you needed was an incomplete pass. After that, the game was over. So we invested in man corners with speed and the ability to press, and yet we did not do it last night. So I counted 18% of the times of our defensive snaps, our corners were in press. You know the number one cornerback that played man press last night? John, do you know? No. Jonathan Joseph, the one corner you have that should not be playing man press. It's okay to mix up coverages. You can have corners that play zone and in the same play have other corners that play man. It's okay. Jonathan Joseph is a zone corner at this part of his career. He is not a press corner, and he is not fast, so his recovery is not there. That is why we get beat by these elite quarterbacks is because we play off and we give the underneath away every single play. And that's what got Drew Brees going last night was his the slants, the curls, the outs. That's what happened. And yet here we are suffering a week one loss on a team that didn't deserve to have that loss. The offense deserved to have that win. And I'm tired of having to have these conversations. And if we're going to pull the plug on Aaron Colvin, who, yes, technique-wise was not in, is not very good when it came to that specific play, but at the end of the day, he was also just in the play that was called. And I don't know if he would have stayed in his 10-yard off if he would have made a play on the ball, but maybe. Maybe he would have knocked it loose. Maybe they would have been a little further out. Maybe it would have been a yard shorter. I don't know. But that kick still would have been good. But if they were to press, it would have been a completely different story. And that's and that, why invest in man corners that can press if you're not going to use their skills? No, I don't disagree with you one bit. The Colvin play, it, it's not that he tackled him right after he caught the ball. The receiver gave himself up. Like, that doesn't change anything. Nope. Him playing off is what changes it because they did have three safeties behind him. If he played – Press man, you give up a 15-yard pass instead of an 8-yard pass. It is what it is. But at least that way, I mean, we'd all feel better about it because we gave up an easy completion. And I understand. Here, Here's in Rack's defense. The kicker made the longest field goal of his career. And you put them in a position where they had to make a play. But my counter argument to that, that's even what's been floating uh, on Twitter, because that's been brought up several times, it's like, what would you rather do? Give up the short yard, make the kicker make a kick, or give up a touchdown? I say you should have flipped it and let our defense make a play. Instead, we took the defense out of it. And granted, part of it may have been Colvin, because we all knew where it was going. We knew it was going to Aaron Colvin. Um, when we were talking about it, I, when, we were, when I, me and Ryan were talking about it, I was like, you know what I would do if I was Aaron Colvin? I would act like I have a limp and get off the field and not be out there because you know the ball's coming your way. They were just picking on him all night. And that's why he's no longer a Houston Texan. But we all saw that it was coming. We knew it was coming. And they could have changed it up. They could have surprised it. And 
with Rack and the type of defense he plays, and that may be credence to what you were saying about the game passing him by, because he's now gotten afraid to do the things that you want to do with the 3-4 and the zone blitzes and spinning the coverage and doing pattern matches. We don't really do that. We kind of sat back in our zone. It was a very, very conservative defensively called game. I think with um, and real quick, uh, you know, Pat Storm uh, tweeted out that he talked to a player, and that that was the like that outcome um, most teams would have died for. I, I really don't believe that if you were to pull multiple players, that they would have rather just given, they would have rather given the chance of a field goal than a chance for a touchdown in that situation, um, especially with a kicker like Lutz, who is a good kicker and has been a good kicker and just signed a pretty good extension because he's a good kicker, um, I think you have a higher percentage of completing a 10-yard pass and getting the timeout and kicking the field goal with success than you do to complete a touchdown pass with six seconds left on the 50-yard line. Um, well, I, I really don't I really I don't think, think that from a probability standpoint that you go into that. Think, like, if you were to take the analytic nerds, I guarantee you most of them would have said you you risk them throwing it deep for a touchdown if you take everything out underneath. And, you know, here's the thing with it. It was also the time and the distance and how much time it takes to, to create a play. The way they set up in that zone is that was the only place on the field that they could throw the ball and then have enough time to actually right. reset. Whereas, you know what? Let the receiver run just a little bit further. Do a press to throw him off because then those two seconds disappear. Exactly. And that's more of the issue that I have. And I read the comment by Pat, Pat Storm about the player, and I don't think that they're wrong. I think that the way that we gave up that cushion. Correct. It was one of those where, all right, you're going to give him that cushion. Don't touch him for a minute and then tackle him. Or make it even an easier completion. Yeah, he gets the completion, but it's not in a situation where he can just go straight down. Like, you're just right. playing on him just enough that he has to kind of fight for it a little bit instead of diving and giving yourself up, and that's it. And yeah, I thought Colvin, it was just Go ahead. I cut you just, off. Just Aaron Colvin wasn't in a position to make any sort of play. And he got cut, so it may have been on him and not on Rack, but five times this has happened. Five times, this should not happen. In two and a half years. So, uh, no, and I saw a very interesting, like, um, I, I forgot who tweeted it out, but they were saying that um, if you were to press in that, in, that, in that situation, and even if you held, you still would have been at a higher probability of winning that game because it would have been a five-yard um, five penalty and would have ended up giving them just an opportunity to go for a Hail Mary. So if you're pressing and you get physical and get called for a penalty, you still have a better chance of winning that game. So I thought that was interesting. Um, look, I, at the end of the day, like, the defense has to get better. Uh, there's uh, uh, Jason Braddock, what up? Love to talk to you about this team sack thing. Love to see where that's coming from. I don't see that anywhere. I'd love to see where, where, where all these team sacks are going to come from because I only saw one uh, one rusher that was any good yesterday. And I get it. Uh, Justin Watt had – he was triple teamed again, and he was double – I don't care. That's, we knew that was going to happen. 
We knew it as soon as we sent Clowney to Seattle that that was going to be the case. This defensive coordinator did not come up with a plan to free up J.J. This defensive line is not going to be very good. There's nothing you can say. They're not going to be very good. They are just average depth defensive linemen. And J.J. Watt and, and Whitney Merciless. Brent, Brendan Scarlett is not a good pass rusher. Yeah, what do you want me to argue about? There's no, you can't. There's nothing can't there. Like we, we knew this going in. We knew. And what was actually scary is, I'm not going to slander J.J. Watt, but. I will. I he had you will. zero tackles. He had zero tackles, zero hurries, zero quarterback hits. He literally had no stat line in the stat box at all. And for everybody that was telling me that J.D. had zero stats in the box score every time, hmm, interesting how this has turned out for you because your star just did the same exact thing. But you're going to make an argument and tell me that he had an impact on the game. I get it. There were plays. I'm a football watcher. He did have an impact on the game. He had a couple. He basically forced the interception of Whitney Merciless. Why was Whitney in coverage? I'll never know. Luckily, he got a pick, but he should have been rusting the passer. So, um, yeah, we knew we knew when JD got traded that this was going to be the situation. And it's not even about what JD brings to the field on like the like from a stat perspective. It's the game plan aspect that you have to have for JD on the opposite side of JJ that is missing. Because now you have to account for both of them. Now, you just have to account for J.J. Watt. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'd honestly argue that Merciless had, an, Merciless had a really great game. However, the threat of having three was so much better than the threat of having two. Especially, J.J. was not playing angry. J.J., he wasn't finishing like he had in the past. Like, there were so many uh, times where there was yes. tackles at the end where – in the past, yes. he would have lit the guy up, and here he was just kind of standing, and he was just kind of hesitant. So yep. it may have been because J.J. didn't play at all during during camp and during the preseason, so he just getting back used to getting hit, getting back in the flow of it. But that angry J.J. was not there. And this is not the guy that even from two years ago, or two years ago when he finished off the, uh, the Bengals game where he just suplexed the guy because he was tired of playing. There was none of that in J.J. There was none of that fight. And that, to me, is more concerning over anything else. And yep. Merciless was fine. and But after J.J. and Merciless, there was absolutely nobody. Well, Nobody else really did anything to heat, any, to heat up the passer. Yes. J.J. Reader had an amazing game. Yeah, but... But he's not going to get to the quarterback. Right, and that's not what he's asked to do. And right. we need somebody else to help with the pass rush. When we can't get it through the edge, one of the biggest weaknesses we knew we were going to have was an interior pass rush. And, yeah, still do. That's still an issue. Surprise, surprise, didn't get it fixed. There's a couple of free agents that maybe they'll take a look at, but it's probably not likely that this is going to be an issue that is fixed this year. And Romeo, Romeo played – he called such a conservative game, he didn't even make up for it. It was almost like he was certain that J.J. and Merciless would get enough pass rush on their own, and he wasn't going to do anything to try and dial it up, which I think was actually a mistake 
I think we ended up rushing only three players on, what did they say, 80% of the snaps? Yeah, did you know that last night Drew Brees faced more three-man rushes last night than he has in his entire career? Because, of course, he did. Why? I, 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 I don't know. right now. I just – I do – because that doesn't make any sense. That is – Right. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. Did he – In one game, he had – he faced more three-man rushes than he has in his 16-year career. You know, Romeo Cornell is a football genius. He knows more about football than 99.9% of the people out there. He's forgotten more football than I will ever know. However, there I am very, very concerned. I am very concerned with his game plan last night and just his lack of adjustments. And it was just – it was honestly – it was a, I don't want to say it was a mess, but – it should have been better, and there was little things that could have been done that would have been better that weren't even that hard for him to do. And that's why, to me, it's absolutely shocking. Yeah, I think just looking at it, I'm not a defensive coordinator. John's not a defensive coordinator. But when you have Lonnie Johnson, who did not play one defensive back snap, and your issue was slot corner, I don't know why we didn't just put Lonnie in Roby's spot and put Roby back at slot where he's extremely comfortable and played his best football in Denver. I really don't understand it. It doesn't actually make what any you, sense to me. What you can do is um, the old Belichick thing where you take Lonnie Johnson and put and use Reed to bracket Michael Thomas, put Jonathan Joseph on the other side of the field, put Roby in the middle, and then you also blitz. Um... And that should have been sufficient. You put Roby just wherever Ted Ginn was. That's honestly probably would have been the best and just bracketing Michael Thomas. But we didn't do that. And I don't really get it. I no, I agree. I, I don't know. There's, there's and, a lot of issues and, with and here's the thing that actually blew my mind even more is we went big dime. So we would have three corners and three safeties out there so our corner group apparently was that shallow that we can cut a guy instantly, but when we needed to go dime, we had to throw a safety out there. And our third safety is a day who's an excellent run supporter. He is horrible in coverage. He knows that. That was John Gibson, by the way. Yeah. What, what, oh, man. Why was he one-on-one with Michael Thomas in the first quarter? That that was just yeah, I don't know. That just leaves me. And, and what's funny is in the first first half we actually played a great defensive game. Yeah. If we would have taken that exact game plan, we definitely would have had the issue that we had. That well, game. No, no, no. The, the problem half. was we had that exact game plan. The Saints just picked it apart in the second half. So the Saints did what they do. They make adjustments, and we did what we do, and we didn't. Yeah, I mean, it, it, luckily we play the Jaguars this week, uh, and, you know, Romeo has that stat against rookies, whatever it is, whatever that number is, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, he has, a, he has the opportunity for a great bounce-back week, but... Um, I'm not sure if that Jaguars qu- quarterback's a rookie. He looks like, you're, he looks like a, your 40-year-old uncle that always has a beer and a cigarette. Yeah, no, he does. He's Blake Bortles 2.0. 
That's he drinks Bud Light, smokes Marlboro Reds. No, he drinks PBR, dude. It, I got He might drink PBR. He might and drink he, PBR. And he drinks and he smokes unfiltered. He's drink, yeah. he's smoking those Cowboy Killers. I'll tell you what, though, if we're thinking that Philip Gaines is uh, the cornerback that we replaced Aaron Coleman with, is going to be the answer. There's a reason why he's available. That's because he's going to get hurt. Because uh, <laughs> he has that history. Yeah, he's going to get uh, hurt in like two weeks. Like he's a fantastic athlete. Javon Webster. But he's no, he he can actually run. He's not. No, I'm saying injury was. Yeah, but it's. Yeah, he's. He's going to get hurt. That's why he's a free agent. He just got cut from the Browns because he was in the with an injury settlement. He has been hurt all the time. Every year, he'll get hurt. So, it is what it is. I mean, we lost the game. But at the end of the day, the one thing that I, the, the thing that I take away is the fact that this team can compete and can compete with the best of them. So, what last night told me was, the Chargers, Chiefs, Patriots, I think we take one of those. Now, it's not going to come down to the defense, but from an offensive perspective, we can hang with all of them. So I can't wait to watch Kenny Stills burn Tyron Matthew because it's going to happen. I can't wait. It's going to be the, it's going to be the best feeling I've ever probably had on this podcast. Um, but we can, bang, we can bang with all three of them. The question is always now going to be moving forward is the defense. And – I get it. Like, maybe Jacob Martin is going to be the answer. Maybe. I don't know. Possibly. Mingo's not. He didn't even take a snap. So, looks like a roster, waste eight, of roster space. Eight snaps for the two players that we received for... And, and eight, of, and eight, eight of them were Jacob Martin. <laughs> eight snaps total. Yeah. So, but we got a third-round pick, so that's good. Um, yeah, so... But but like I said, the good thing to take away is this team's going to compete. Bill O'Brien's not dealing with any more BS. Uh, if you can't perform, he's cutting you, and we're moving forward. I like that mentality a lot, actually. I think that's how it should be. Signing Nick Martin to an extension after one game when he's only played, I think, what, 17, 18 games? Whatever. Sure. Um, and then you made him a top five center pay-wise. Wow. Um, somebody get Bill O'Brien a general manager. Um, but outside of that, like the team, the team looks good. The team looks way better than we've ever seen them look in week one in a Bill O'Brien, uh, week one game. The run game looks solid. The passing game is, I mean, it's impossible for this passing game to be bad because of the weapons that Deshaun has. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy when you look at how many weapons he has now. It's going to be a fun season. Last night showed us that. At least it's not going to be the the four and six or four and twelve season, um, and it won't be the two and fourteen season. So that's fun. Um, we'll compete. I think we, I, you know it's week one, so there's still a lot of football to be played. Would have nice to have. Would have been nice to have that one, but at the end of the day, we lost in Texans fashion. To be honest with you, uh, everybody should have known with 40 seconds left that that was going to happen. Um, as we saw it week one in 2017 against the Patriots of Brandon Cooks. So, um, but, I mean, like I said, a lot of good things to take away from this game. and It's going to be a really, really fun season, and that's what we're here for. We're here to have enjoyment watching football and watching Deshaun Watson and this team compete at a high level. So hopefully Rat gets his act together because that's going to be the that's going to be the focal point moving forward. The offense isn't a question anymore. 
No. And like we said a couple of podcasts ago, we get to watch Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. And, you know, we may not be a Super Bowl team, but we can play with whatever team goes to the Super Bowl this year. And we looked better than we have in a long time. Even with our issues on the defense, even mainly with our issues on the defense, like this team actually looks better than it has in a long time. And hopefully that's not a week one overreaction. Watch us go out there and just sh the bed. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. We wow. almost got it. Almost did it. That's better than what we've done, so that's fine. So watch us go out there and just completely lay an egg, lay an egg against the Jaguars because, because right now everybody's talking about how good we looked. and But I don't think that's going to happen. If we are able to pull together this team with as many roster changes that happened that quickly and look that smooth, especially compared to a lot of teams around the league, hey, it's not going to be – this is not going to be a bad season. It may not be a great season, but it's definitely not going to be a bad season, and it's going to be a fun season. Yeah, no, and everybody's going to get better as the weeks go on because they're just they've been on the team longer. They understand the playbook. They have chemistry, consistency, all those things that Bill O'Brien preaches. Unfortunately, they are true. They are cliches, but they play a part. So, yeah, I agree. Um, it's definitely hard watching with like a group of fans uh, the way it ended. But man, it, it was a fun environment to do it in. Um, yeah, I don't, I, John, I don't really think I have anything else for week one. No, that's pretty much it. Again, we're all emotionally exhausted. Hopefully, this is the last time that we're an almost team. But I'm going to be very grateful for what we do have. And just, we got to enjoy the ride, man. We, we were gonna, yeah. We're going to have an offense that's worth watching this year. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Well, you know where you can find all of us. Um, make sure you join our Discord patron. Actually, that's all in the outro now. I don't even have to do that anymore. Yep. So great. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, everybody that came last night, thank you so much. Make sure you guys go to rungameclothing.com. Uh, Use uh, promo code UNFILTERED for 15% off your order. Uh, thank you again to Tiff's Treats, Pitmaster Barbecue, Um Run Game Clothing, and Sigma Brewery. Uh, it was a very fun event. Thank you to everybody that came. I look forward to it. Nacho, I can't wait to go to Seattle and go to a game this year. I'm super stoked. Ryan, we're going to have to get together now that you we know you live in Corpus. Uh, and everybody else, Brooke, just all of you, I, I really appreciate it. It was a very, very, uh, very cool night. So with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold signing off for week one. I'll catch you guys next week after we destroy the Jacksonville Jaguars. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. And everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.